Christopher Goulding, welcome to Gibbo Goes 101. What has been happening? It's Golding, mate. I've known you for about 15 years. Let's get that's, that. That's what I said. Uh, not much has been happening, man. Um, staying sane. Um, trying to do the right thing. Trying to get as, as many workouts in the apartment as I can. Um, but yeah, cruising. I see you doing some stuff out on the balcony, just trying to do do whatever. You and Molly get to like, I don't know, you walk down through the park or any, yeah, any, we, anywhere you can go to try and get a run in or dribble a ball or anything. Yeah, I've gone um, for a few runs around the local oval. Um, there's more people out exercising than ever before, which is interesting when we're supposed to be staying in the house. Um, yeah, Molly reluctantly holds on to the bands for me when I got to do some resisted sprints on the balcony. Um, but we try and get out, um, walk around the botanic gardens a little bit, have a coffee, um, get some fresh air before uh, she starts work, which is good. Uh, you feel you feel like it's starting to turn a little bit. Like I feel like numbers are dropping. Obviously, I, research and all that stuff's not my forte, but I feel like it's. You know, hopefully within a couple of weeks or, you know, three weeks, things might start going, start to turn and just start going back the other way. Yeah, I hope so. Um, you know, they're releasing the app, the government's releasing. A lot of people have some queries about that, but I think, you know, we, we've got it. I think if you, um, you know, you want to try and see this thing turn around and, and go back to a bit of normality, then everything we can do can help. Um, but, you know, I walk, when we go for our walks, like it, it's, it's busy out. I just... Um, hope we're not going too soon but you know whatever the health officials and everyone say i'm sure we'll follow on with that um yeah hopefully some normality ensues sometime soon if, uh, has your club at all given you guys any kind of workouts home workouts uh band workouts anything to try and keep the body just ticking a little bit yeah so um nick popovich is is constantly in touch um uh, he, he's really good offering to, to help us out with whatever we need. Uh, big stickler for the skin folds, I'll pop. So um, I reckon he might be a little nervous for a few of the guys right now. I've had a few sessions with the pop back in the day about skin folds. He's, uh, he doesn't miss a beat, pop. So I know keep your boys in check. I know, uh, I know one thing that you love um, probably over the last, I don't know how many years, is getting to restaurants, you know, trying different restaurants, different foods, uh, wines and real adulty maturity kind of stuff. <laughs> um, you know, I know when we went to our mate's wedding, you went to New York and you, you researched all the good restaurants. Have you missed going out to restaurants and, you know, being able to do that stuff, catching up with mates? I think Dave Anderson was one you caught up with from time to time. You miss going out and doing that kind of stuff? Yeah, I think um, socially I miss it. Um, the bank account is thanking me. Um, tend to save a, a hell of a lot more money when we're cooking at home and, you know, eating some leftovers the next day. But, um, you know, that whole, you know, the, the hospitality industry, I've, I've got a lot of friends within it and it's really suffering at the moment. So um, we've tried to support them as best as possible. Um, you know, a lot of, you know, really high-end restaurants have transitioned their business into being takeaway and delivery restaurants. So we try and support them. Um, as much as fiscally possible. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's positive to see, um, you know, that the, the people that run these amazing restaurants and are amazing chefs are, are real people and, you know, they, they struggle with, with what's going on as well. So to try and help them out um, as much as we can has been good. Um, but yeah, definitely missing getting out and 
catching up with some people and um, yeah, trying different food. It's, it's something that we've grown to love. Um, we've transitioned out of the nightclubs and into the restaurants, mate. Smart move. I talked about uh, Vince Lopa uh, with Brad Newley, I think last week or the week before. Again, another small, smaller kind of business, I guess, but having support from, I guess, not just athletes, but whoever just keeping their business ticking along while things are going pretty rough is pretty important. Yeah, and I mean, you know, they were ravaged by the fires. So, you know, so many of these um, local businesses that have been hit by the fires and then now coming into this situation, we kind of forget that the, the, the horrific bushfire season we had was only a few months ago. And, um, you know, there's businesses and families that are doing it really tough. So if we can buy local and, and try and support whenever we can, um, every little bit goes a long way. And um, I think we'll be... Uh, you know, judging by the guidelines, we'll be holidaying within Australia for the foreseeable future. So if people can get out and support local, um, it goes a long way. Now, most people should know, but you grew up in Tassie. Uh, you left yeah. when you were six? Seven. Yeah, seven, seven. or eight. Do you remember much about living in Tassie? Uh, a little bit, yeah. I mean, it's where I first started playing basketball. I had a lot of family down there when I was young. Um, and yeah, I first couple of minutes of primary school, uh, uh, first year or so of primary school um, down there. So some good memories, but um, I wouldn't know the streets like the back of my hand like you. And uh, your dad was a, a pretty good AFL footballer down there playing, I think, for Devonport. Is that where you kind of grew to love the sport? Like, you, did you play AFL growing up? I know you're a kangaroo supporter. Is that kind of yeah. where that come from, your dad's kind of side? Yeah, definitely. My whole... Um, family is um you know they're a football family you know even on, on my mum's side they grew up in north melbourne so um afl football is just what my family knew um, my dad played a couple of games for north he spent some time over in perth with claremont um some time with Deloraine coaching and played a lot for north launceston as well so it was kind of all i really knew growing up i tried my hand at it a little bit um you know early teens but um, when the decision came, you know, as you're a, you, you're a young kid, you kind of need to decide to, whether to stick with one sport or not. And basketball was just a year-round sport. I didn't want to have to wait six months for footy to start up again. So, um, stuck with basketball. Um, I say that, but I, I wasn't very good at football. So, that, that also made a pretty easy decision as well. <laughs> and you follow the Kangas. Obviously, they've had some, le- they had some good years there for a little while, like the last probably few years, you know, <laughs> Great starts, drop-offs, like how's, how's riding the highs and lows of an AFL season with uh, your team not always coming through with the goods? Yes, um, it can be frustrating at times. Um, I'm happy for the league to just not come back because we're at currently a top eight team. We won our first <laughs> game of the season, so we're sitting pretty. Um, I made a few bets with some people that we'd finish higher than them on the ladder. So if we can just cut it now, I'd, I'd come out on top of that. Um, but yeah, I like to try and get along whenever I can. It's, it's one of the perks of being in Melbourne is getting to um, see a lot of AFL football, which I've kind of fallen in love with again since I've got down here. It's, it's such a good sport to watch. And the Kangas can be frustrating at times, but we've got a bright future, mate. Bright future. We'll get back to the Melbourne and lifestyle and everything that goes on in Melbourne in, towards the end. But obviously then you moved to Queensland. You lived in Queensland for a long time. Um, 
obviously basketball kind of took off. Did you have anyone that kind of inspired you basketball-wise? Maybe it's not a Queenslander, but that kind of you looked up to as a kid and you're like, should I, you know, I'd love to be in his shoes or follow his, his kind of path? Yeah, I mean, I was um, I always loved playing basketball, but I, I never really thought um, legitimately that I could make a job out of it or, or make a career out of it until a bit later on in the piece. So I, I just kind of... Um, you know, I really enjoyed um, just playing social, whether it was representative. Um, I didn't tend to make too many state teams and that till a little bit older. But, um, you know, I was a big Sydney Kings fan when I was young. CJ and Ebby were, um, you know, they were big time. Matty Nielsen, some of my favourite players. So then, um, you know, a couple of years later to be able to play with those guys when I first started out in Brisbane was pretty cool. Uh, always been a big Kobe Bryant fan. Um, so that, that was, um, you know, a big inspiration of mine growing up in the, in the front yard, shooting balls against the, the garage where we had the, um, the basketball rim, trying to hit fadeaways, trying to hit crazy shots. So Kobe was a big, big, big guy for me growing up. You're like, you just said your pathway was, not a typical one. Like you didn't make state teams. Um, I remember you got offered a scholarship. Like you, you were with us at the Bullets as a tra- like a development guy. Uh, the AAS came calling. What was your decision to to choose to stay with the NBL team and not go down the the AIS path that most other I guess young players with talent like yourself would have chosen? Yeah, um, it was a tough one at the time, and it was all kind of centered around making that junior Australian team, the the Emus team. Um, I just, it came down to the fact that I, I found myself in an environment where I was training against, you know, yourself, um, Ebby, CJ, Sammy McKinnon, Stephen Black, the list goes on. The, these guys, day to day, I thought um, it would be beneficial for my development going forward, playing against those guys, as, as, as opposed to moving to Canberra and going against guys my own age. Now, did I make the right decision? Who knows? Um, but it was all about making that, um, under 17s team, which which I, I managed to sorry under 19s team, which I managed to do. Um, so for me, I think it, it it worked out. But yeah, it was a tough decision for a 16, 17 year old kid at the time. And was college ever? Did college ever pop up or same kind of thing? You just felt staying around those bullets guys was going to be better than going off to college and and yeah, I um, it was kind of interesting because a lot of the guys in my age group. Um, that were at the AIS were thinking about college and, and obviously with Legendera there, the way that their education set up, um, you know, it's kind of a line to push you towards being able to go straight to a Division One or a Division Two college. Um, you know, I never thought about any of that until after I was kind of finished from school. So um, I think for me, I probably would have had to do a couple of years at a junior college um, before I got to a college that I wanted to get to. So that was another reason why I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to stay here in a professional environment, um, get paid, although it wasn't a hell of a lot at the time. It was still something, um, you know, and, and try and make my pathway that way. And then obviously part of the Bullets team, the championship team next year in the team, like that must have been. Oh, I still look back on that, thinking the same thing. Playing with CJ, Sammy, Max, some of these all-time greats. Like, what a team it was. What a team to be around. Like the winning streaks and just the environment. To as a young kid, like we both were, to, to learn from Joey and the way he pushed us as like, playing three on three after trainings and learning off all those guys. I remember back and like 
stuff you, you will never forget. Yeah, and you know, it's it's crazy because being exposed to that at such a young age, you're kind of like, oh, this is great. This is what it's supposed to be like. You kind of, you have a great group of guys together, a really good culture, um, practices are competitive, guys work their ass off every day. And at the end of the year, you end up in the playoffs, you end up in a grand final and you've got a chance to win it. So I was kind of naive at that time. Um, so you go through a few hard years with some interesting teammates, um, you know, and, and, and just different cultures at different clubs. And it, it, it's kind of like, yeah, that was that was pretty special back then. So um, very lucky to have that. And yeah, you know, work ethic habits um, were instilled at me, you know, during those years, which I'm very thankful to the staff there. And then obviously that, that boards team folded, whatever happened. You went to Perth for that one year. As again, a DP, I think, with that team. Um, I think that game was shown on TV, playing against uh, Townsville. Um, how, how was that going as a young kid, I guess, leaving home for maybe the first time properly to, to go to Perth? How was that whole experience and, and doing all that? Yeah, so it was an eye-opener. Yeah, it was, I, was, I think I was 18, about to turn 19 at the time. So first time out of home, um, I roomed with... Uh, I ended up moving in and, and living with Stevie Way and Jeff Dowdle, a couple of stalwarts of the, the NBL and already had a couple of years under their belt um, when I got there. So they teach me the ropes a little bit, taught me how to cook. Jeff Dowdle, thank you very much. Taught me how to um, pour beer on my sausages when we were cooking them on the barbie. So um, still hold that with me till this day. Um, but yeah, just first time out of home, it was, it was really interesting and, and kind of just lucky to still be involved in in the league and you know at the time I was like yeah I'll, I'll move to Perth I don't really want to go and get a you know a real job I want to try and stretch this out as much as I can and you know it wasn't until the back end of the season um, where there was a couple of unfortunate injuries to our guards that you know I managed to get a, a minute or two here or there and just really show that um, in the future I could play in this league and um, yeah, thankful to Perth for that opportunity because, you know, it really was my only option. It was either that or, you know, move into the workforce and, and whether or not I made it back into the NBL, I, I wouldn't have been so sure. So thankful to, the, to that organisation for that. And then we all kind of reunited back on the Gold Coast. Uh, my South Dragons team went under. Uh, Joey obviously took over the coaching reins. And obviously, he had a lot of like respect and, and high raps for your game. So he obviously got you across to the Gold Coast as well. That's probably your first like real chance to play and like given some open kind of slather to go out and, and play your game. Like how was how was that going from a, I guess a DP to not really playing to now being like a main guy off the bench and coming in and just being a spark and being able to just show finally what you can actually do as a player. Yeah, I think it was it was great having that. Um you know, knowing that pretty much every game you're going to get in and get a chance to try and provide something. Um, you know, I think at that stage, consistency was still a massive problem of mine as a player. You know, there'd be some games I'd be really good off the bench, have 10, 12 points. There'd be other games where, you know, I'd come on, I'd be horrible defensively at the start, wouldn't make my first couple of shots. And it was kind of like, well, why would the coach even put me out there? So a, a good learning curve and a good opportunity to be able to play consistently um, night in, night out. Um, but yeah, the, those those Blaze teams were, were a lot of fun. We had a really good group of guys. and um, We had a year there where, you know, we were really good, came up against a tough Wildcats team who, who ended up winning it. Um, but yeah, some really good years and a really great opportunity for me in my career to start playing some good basketball. 
a lot of basketball, it's, it's about learning. Like people talked about CJ and, you know, Ebby, um, guys in our position. I had a, one of my favourite team, teammates to play with was, was James Harvey. I know you guys were fairly close, lived, lived pretty close. Um, you had a lot of respect for him as a player, similar position, shooting guards. Um, you learn a fair bit off him as well. Yeah, absolutely. Harves was, you know, Harves was amazing. He, he was, uh, you know, his work ethic was crazy. Um, I remember, I think he, I'm not sure. Yeah, he was with the Blaze the year before, I think their first year, and I ended up getting into a game um, at Perth. And you know, I, could, I was young, I was considered myself fit. And, you know, Harves was probably 30 odd at the time. And I remember him, I subbed in and, and trying to trying to guard him. And he said something along the lines of get ready to run. Like, you're not fit enough. Like, come along, young fella. I'm just going to run you ragged. So off screen and screen and screen. Um, so he taught me a lot about, you know, the fitness level required to be um, a two guard, a, a shooter, and, and the fitness level required to come off screens and, and have constant motion and, and keep your defender occupied, even when you don't have the ball in your hands. Um, one of the best pin down players um, I've ever seen. And to be able to go against him at practice every single day, try and guard it, uh, I learned a lot on the reverse side offensively. Um, yeah, and one of the all-time good guys in the league as well. What a, he's a legend. Someone always going to have you back. I want to take you to a, a moment from those few years on the, on the Gold Coast where... Careful. Ra- ra- PG version. We're at the um, we're at practice. I think um, I can't think what school was somewhere like New Tully or whatever. And I remember driving. You were guarding me. I was, oh. <laughs> I was driving through the key, and you just happened to try and step right in front, and I just did the old knee lift straight into the the, the man just parts. Crackers. The man parts, and the noise you made when you went down was like I'll never forget it. Tell me, <laughs> obviously, need you in, in the nuts, and you had to yeah. go to hospital and. Yeah, run through so, that whole day or week or next month. So at the time, um, we had Joey, and Joey's big on you know if you if you're hurt, you should be able to play through it. If you're injured, okay. Um, so I think it was Peach at the time had a bad ankle, and you know there was some conjecture about whether he should be training or whatever it was. And Joey wanted him to train, so is that real? No matter what was going on, we were going to train. We were going to be competitive. We had some big games coming up. Um, that was kind of the culture we we had at the time. It was come to practice. Let let's you know borderline fight. Let's get better, and then go play on the weekend. So silly me stood up to try and take one of the only charges I've ever taken. Um, <laughs> You were probably running at a hundred odd kilos <laughs> then, so a little more, a little less. You were tape, probably about ninety-seven. <laughs> so that knee came up with a force, and um, yeah, I just, I just remember it was bad, and I went to the bathroom, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is really bad." But then I just had Joey playing in the back of my mind, like, "You got to get back out to practice." So I was like, "All right," I come back out, tears in my eyes, ready to go, run around a little bit. And probably five minutes later, I was like, nah, this is bad. So I ended up getting in the car myself, driving myself to uh, the Pindara Hospital or whatever it was there on the Gold Coast. And I remember on, I was crying on the phone to my mum driving down the M1, like oh, trying to tell her what happened. Anyway, turns out it was a pretty bad injury. I actually ruptured um, one of the fellas. So... Um, 
you know, in hindsight, playing the week after that probably wasn't the smartest thing, but um, a bit of a blessing in disguise. I hurt my ankle or something and, and had a few weeks out. So I thank you for those um, nervous times in my, in my youth about whether everything was going to be right in the future, but I've been assured by the doctors that everything's still good. It was basically like a big bruised peach, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. At, it got. It's pretty. This is pretty graphic. Yeah, but, it's, but that's fine. That's what the people want to hear. Ah, ah yeah, right. Um, yeah, it was. It was. If you had a really ripe avocado, same color, size, everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, I can hear the noise. I remember. Sh- I, I, I ended up showing the boys uh, in the locker room not long after to um, to some of their surprise, and yeah, it was. It was a big boy. And you had to wear, you had to wear, you tried to wear a cup or like a something to play yeah, or? I went to get like a baseball jock strap with a cricketer's cup and, and all that. Like we had a game, um, I don't know, it was five or so days later that I, I tried to get up and play for. So um, improvisation in regards to how to protect it. But um, as I said, a, a game or so after that, I ended up hurting myself and got the rest that I probably needed. And that's uh, the Goldies, somewhere where we both have one of our best mates, Jack Tomlinson. Their family used to own the team. Awesome family. Like, I still wish your team is still around, but it's not the games and what you're producing in games. It's more the people you meet. And I think, um, talk about halves and players, but also, you know, guys like Jack's, people that you're going to have lifelong friends with just purely for playing the game of basketball. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, amazing family. One of the most generous family, family you'll ever come across. And, um, you know, you and I went across to the Bahamas and, and shared in Jack and Misty's special day, which was which was really cool for us to get over there and um, see him all grown up and moving into the next stage of his life. <laughs> uh, again, another team that obviously went under and then you went to the Tigers. So you've now gone from DP to coming off the bench to, to head to the Tigers where, you know, not too long after where you pretty much the main guy, the go-to guy, how was how was that next transition to the next, that next stage of your career of being you know the guy that gets all the shots and the plays and yeah so it, it kind of um, I didn't really know that it was going to turn out that way um, you know one, once again the um, the blaze folded and I was kind of like well what am I going to do here so I, I called around to a couple of people I remember having conversations with Wollongong and conversations with Adelaide at the time because I think you'd just gone to Adelaide yeah. um, I remember having conversations with the club kind of being like you know I'll, I'll play for minimum I just I just I just want a job and um, you know they weren't sure about that they needed to wait they needed to weigh up who else they were going to sign um, the same thing happened with Wollongong uh, weren't sure what was available um, and in the meantime, Chris Anstey had just gotten the job with the Tigers um, and kind of gave me a buzz one night when I was in bed and was like, hey, um, let's try and make something happen. Um, you know, I wasn't worried about the money or anything like that because I had no other options. Uh, I played at Coy. I was like, yeah, let's you know, speak to my agent. Let's get it working. And turns out it was probably the best decision I ever made to move down here. Um, you know, both personally with, with my now wife traveling down with me at the time. Um, you know, it was cool to get out of our, our home state and, you know, find ourselves on our own and, and work on our relationship. And then also basketball-wise, um, to have a coach that kind of saw something in me again and um, turned a little bit of the offense over to me and, and gave me more responsibility to, to work on that um, consistency that I probably lacked at the Gold Coast. 
Um, I haven't had many occasions where I've been like, shit, I'm feeling real good right now. Anything you throw up is going in. As shooters, you know that like you make one, the next three going in, whether they do or not. Talk to me through the 50-point game. I don't know if anyone's done that before. Not 100% sure on the numbers around that, but obviously you just got cooking, Nathan. You're just getting fed, like spoon-fed, great looks. But yeah. talk me through running through a 50-point game in a 40-minute NBL game. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was, it was a big game for us. You know, we were fighting for the playoffs, um, trying to get there. And I think Sydney were as well. So, you know, a bit of a Melbourne-Sydney rivalry already um, on our home court, one of the last games of the seasons. We really needed to, to get the win. So I just wanted to come out aggressive. Um, and you would know when the first couple go in, it's like, all, right, all the pressure's off. Um, let, let's, let's see what we can do here. And, you know, that, that year, um, Nate Tomlinson, one of my best mates, was, was our point guard. I think he led the league in assists. Just a super smart... Um, offensive player in regards to he knew what the team needed and, and where to find guys to get open shots. I also had Wertho um, and big Scott Morrison setting me picks as well. So um, just try and fly off as many as possible, try and get as many looks up as I can. And um, yeah, they, they started going in. So um, I remember some, I, it must've been balls Adam Ballinger at halftime came here and was like, you got to go for 50. You got to try and go for 50. So like everyone else was, was cool with it. Like go out, be aggressive. And um, yeah, when the, the last two points dropped, it was, it was pretty cool. Um, I didn't expect to ever do that. So uh, a, a great memory that I look back on. It was awesome. Is that, was that a game where you kind of felt or you knew like um, I'm up in the upper echelon of the, the players in the league? Was that something was like shit? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm someone to handle now. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd been having, scoring-wise, I'd been having a pretty consistent year and I was up near the top of the um, scorers. And, um, you know, I wasn't thinking about, oh, this will put me up there. You know, I was always really confident in my abilities, but it, it was just a game that I knew we needed to win. And, um, you know, it gave me the confidence after that to go out and realise that I could win games, not, not by myself, but if I put in good performances, it could go a long way to helping my team win games. Um, which is what we needed at the time. Obviously, the NBL has gone through a lot of changes throughout the last how many years. Obviously, Larry took over, and one of the steps was was changing the Tigers to United. How was that whole process being a part of it, going from the Tigers to United? And do you feel did you feel much of a change, like with fans or you know, with the rebranding and all that kind of stuff? Did it feel like two different teams, or was it kind of like the same team just changing names? Yeah. So when I got back from Spain. Um, you know, it was it was interesting because there's so many old diehard Tigers fans and rightfully so, one of the most historic franchises, um, you know, in our league. Um, but we wanted to encompass everyone. And, you know, we yeah, we, we felt like we unfortunately alienated a, a small group of people. Um, but the possibility to bring in a whole massive group um, to make the business more sustainable, to make basketball in Victoria better, um, kind of superseded the, the alienation of a few fans. Um, so, and, you know, we were, we were playing at the, the cage. We were getting 1,500 to 2,500 people at the cage. Now, although there was a lot of Tigers fans at the time, uh, of course, some diehard ones were there every game, no matter what it was. There was a lot of people that said that they were Tigers fans, but just simply weren't coming to the games and weren't keeping the economics of the club rolling over. So, 
a drastic change was made. Um, I think we look back now after um, winning the championship a couple of years ago, consistently getting really good crowds and the support. And now we have obviously um, the Phoenix in town to build another good rivalry. Um, I think by, uh, you know, far and away, it was, a, it was a great move for basketball in, in the state. Yeah, obviously the, us as a Phoenix have come in and now we have that cross-town rivalry. But talk about the Melbourne-Sydney, the United-Sydney rivalry because you guys have had some unbelievable games. Obviously, the recent final series for the last however many years, Cash were playing for whatever, but that's a legit, like... I mean, we're obviously trying to build one within Melbourne, but that seems like it's a legit rivalry game every time you guys play and it's always a great game. Yeah, and I think... Um... You know, for as long back as oh, I, I know of, you know, there's always been this little bit of animosity between Melbourne and Sydney, just as, as cities, that's as there is Victoria and, and other states. So um, it's really cool to be a part of that. Um, you know, anytime the Kings come to town, especially, you know, a couple of the guys they've got over the last couple of years in Bogut and Casper, um, anytime they come to town now, it's, it's, it's pretty much guaranteed a sellout. We get a great crowd. The atmosphere is amazing. Um, and the same thing happens when we go up there. There's always a really good crowd. They're, they're building um, something really good up there. So it's cool to be a part of that. And then when you have some games, there's you know there's a little bit of smack talk. Um, you know there's there's even results on on other sides. You know we we've won a majority of the games in the last few years, but Sydney really have improved and stepped up. Obviously they they knocked us out this year, which was disappointing for us. Um, but it just adds more to the rivalry. So it's, it's cool to be a part of that. Um. Obviously, you know, Larry's done a phenomenal job with the league, him and his team of like turning this thing completely around. How, how good's it been with the NBL X NBA games, being able to go over and play against NBA teams in pretty much preseason? Sometimes we've started games, but how good is it to be able to go over as an Aussie NBL player and play against NBA teams and, and do that whole experience? Yeah, it's, it's so cool. And, you know, that's something I'm proud of um, Melbourne United and especially with Dean at the helm. You know, he, he's always been adamant that if we get an opportunity, we get the chance to do it. We want to take it because, you know, we don't know how long this could last. It's not every day you get a chance to go and play in NBA arenas against, you know, for the most part, full strength NBA teams in front of their fans and just to, you know, to experience that whole um, level of basketball so it's really cool that we jump at the opportunity every year um, sometimes the timing's a little bit off but um, you know that's why we've got good um, high performance managers um, and everyone to take care of the recovery and, and make sure we're in the best situation when we come back to the NBL but um, so much fun man like going over there and, and getting to compete against Patrick Beverly and um, you know the guys uh, a couple of years ago Russell Westbrook, Paul George. It's 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 really cool. The game against Philly when you were going off, Embiid is a big dude. Oh. When he landed on, was it your ankle, I think, you landed on or? Yeah, he pushed, pushed all the weight down through my ankle and knee. That was uh, that was a hell of a game. You think uh, you had to be healthy, could have come and won, won that game? Well, we've had opportunities to win, you know, a lot of our games. So um, I wish I'd stayed healthy, but... Um, I was kind of in that mode where I wanted to keep going. You know, I was, I was feeling good. I'd made a couple buckets and, you know, we were doing all right. So the, we had a game a week later against Toronto and the physios kind of said, look, you can get through this one, but you, you're no chance. If, if you keep going out there, you could hurt it more. You could, it could flare it up. You'll pro pretty much be no chance against Toronto in a week's time. So we made the decision to, to try and get right for that Toronto game. But yeah, I wish, I wish, I mean, 
come on, big fella. It's, it's preseason. You don't need to block my shot. Just let me get a couple points. Let me let me feel good about myself. And uh, yeah, but that's a big dude he, falling down on me hurt. You think that first game, I think when Casper had the game winner or a potential game winner, um, you think they were just caught unaware of how good, you know, Australian players are um, in that game? Or you think you guys just played a really good game when you could have potentially, you know, won that game? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we had a really good team that year. So we had guys all over the floor. You know, Booney had had NBA experience. Cass had had NBA experience. Big GQ. Um, he's been there and done that. So to have those guys in that locker room um, would have been a settling experience. And, and yeah, they probably would, you know, they probably thought they'd come out and, and, and blitz us um, and not have to worry too much. But when Cass started knocking down those threes, QE chimed in, we had Ty working in the low post. Um, things got real pretty quick. It would have been cool. Um, but I think from there, you know, the NBA teams might have, like the ones that come up against the NBL, Guys, they probably realise, hey, if we don't take this a little bit serious, we could we, we could be in a tight game, and that's the last thing they want for their first preseason game. For sure, I asked um, I asked one of your good friends a couple of questions if you had any juice for me. So I want to know about the New York City bus trip to the Knicks practice facility. Oh. <laughs> I want some. Who did you ask? I want. Well, you got to, well, who did you ask? Because the story is going to differ. Did you ask a coach or did you ask so, all the boys? So Pete, Pete Hawley, who was your teammate on that championship teams, now trans, uh, transitioned into you know media stuff, and mm-hmm. when I was a good mate, I, I reached out to him for some. You know, if you had any any cool stories, anything to to kind of throw at you. So he, he wanted me to ask you about the New York City bus trip to the to the the uh, Knicks facility. Yeah. So. Um... We just played Philly. Um, you know, we had a few nights or no, we had a few days um, before we had to travel to Toronto to get ready um, to go up there and play them. Um, you know, it was someone's birthday that was traveling with us in New York. So we trained that day. Um, Dino was kind enough to say, boys, look, we don't have anything until um, I think it was like 4 or 5 p.m. the next night when we're going to get on a bus, we're going to go get some shots up at the Knicks facility, um, which they said was about 45 to 50-odd minutes away up north in, in, in New York. So boys got together, had a good night, went out, um, had some good food down in Catch in NYC, one of the, the coolest restaurants um, in the city, a couple of beers, um, I'm sure the coaches went out and celebrated whoever's birthday it was. Um, so we wake up in the morning. We're, we're not feeling the best. We're not terrible by any means. Um, and we get on this bus and it's like a hot old coach. And we just get stuck in New York City peak hour gridlock. And we're like on this bus for two and a half hours. You know, I mean, guys aren't feeling the best as it is, as you could imagine. And we get up there and you know, we're lost. We're trying to find our way through. And out the corner of my eye, everyone's like, oh, where's the facility? Where's the facility? And out the corner of my eye, I see this guy leaning out of a practice facility, waving in a Nick shirt. <laughs> and anyone's like, and at that point, like no one wanted to train. We didn't want to do anything. So they were like, where, where, where is it? Where is it? And a couple of the boys were like, oh, I think it's a little further up there. So <laughs> we just took an extra 20 minutes to gather ourselves, drove around the um, industrial area, wherever the Nick's facility was. Um, you know, we were doing anything we possibly could to put off that training session. Of course, I could go into more detail, but I think it's probably a, um, a story for, you know, a oh, better yeah. time when, I, when I'm not um, still in a playing capacity. <laughs> 
Um, we'll, we'll stay on the NBA pathway. So you, you obviously did some, you know, summer league or whatever. Um, you think you were close to potentially getting a spot? Obviously, it's a lot of time, right time, right place. And, you know, a lot of Aussies have been close. Talking to Brock Modem, he was close last week. Yeah. Um, how, how close you think you were? How did, how, do you, how did that whole, I mean, first up experience of summer league and doing that whole process go? Yeah. Um, was I close? I have no idea, man. I, um, you know, I, I got to a stage where I had an offer on the table in Spain um, at the back end of the tournament. Um, you know, I'd always wanted to try my hand in Europe. So at the time it was kind of like wait and hope and see you might get a non-guaranteed or a training camp invite or something or go and play in the ACB, one of the best leagues in the world um, for, for a really good team and, and try and make it that way. So I jumped at that opportunity. Um, I had my first taste of summer league the year before when um, I sat on the end of the bench with Cleveland. Um, while Delhi was there trying to do his thing and, and making his way. So that was cool. And, and the next year, I spent six weeks um, in Dallas before the tournament working out, which was so cool to just utilize the facilities every single day, work on getting myself better, work on, you know, getting ingrained with their system and staff and making sure I gave my be myself the best opportunity, um, which I felt I did that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, when you're a 6'4", two guard, and you're lining up against guys that are 6'10 at the three. Um, <laughs> not the easiest, but an awesome opportunity. Um, was I close? Who knows? Um, but yeah, really cool to be able to tick that off and, and say I gave it a crack um, and then jump at the opportunity to head to Spain. And obviously doing that NBA stuff must have given you a lot more confidence to come back and then play back in the NBL. Um, obviously not that Spain year, but to be able to do that and improve in whatever areas you think might be weak or work out what some weaknesses are and then bring that back to, to Australia and I guess be better even more? Yeah, and it was just, you know, confidence level coming back after playing at a, a really high level um, and then coming back and seeing how much the league was improving and, and being a confident player in that regard to be able to go out and, um, you know, try and lead my team to where we wanted to get to. Um, so, yeah, I think confidence was the biggest thing that I gained over those couple of years. Back to the NBL, um, it's not easy to win championships. Um, you're obviously a part of our um, boards championship team that, you know, obviously not as a contracted player, but you're around the group and training, whatever. How, how good was it, what was it, eight, eight years later to finally win, about eight years later? Yeah, I think it was, uh, we were 607 and we won seven. Yeah, so almost 10, it was 10 years. Almost 10 years later. Um, I remember my first one and then Sammy Mack was, I think Sammy Mack, that was his second one 10 years later or maybe even more. And then I won one two years later after that with the Dragons. I'm like, oh, this is pretty easy. <laughs> 10 years happens. later, it's been, a dry, it's been a drought. Everything's going through Perth. But how, how good was that to, to be obviously a captain and main guy and to win your own, I guess, championship um, against a tough Adelaide team in what was a, a pretty awesome final series? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, it was so cool. It, it's, you know, as, as you would know, it's a, it's a dream to be able to see that buzzer tick over and be able to celebrate that with the people that um, have sacrificed with you, whether that be your family, your friends, but also, you know, your teammates and the organization. So such a cool um, environment to be at home after game five and just kind of lose our minds and, um, celebrate a, a really good year and awesome team with, with guys that were, you know, we had 
pros that just, we wanted to win. We had our share of ups and downs. You know, Casey got injured. We brought in Carrick Felix, who was, you know, fresh out of the NBA, but just a guy that wanted to fit in and do whatever he could to help us win. Um, but when you constantly bring in guys with that sort of character, um, I think that's what went a long way to, to us winning because we had a you know, fair share of ups and downs. And, you know, Adelaide were amazing in that, that series as well. A, a great young team that had some hardened vets as well. So an awesome grand final series. I think I remember you picking Adelaide to win, Gibbo. Um, no, so, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Uh, I think uh, I said uh, Melbourne in five, uh, did I? I think it was Adelaide in five, but that's okay. I'll, I'll oh. give you the benefit of the doubt. Um, but yeah, just childhood dream to be able to win and, and celebrate like we did. You guys, obviously, without the alcohol side of things, celebrate you know fairly hard. Like you guys catch up as a team a bunch of times, um, you know, team dinners, lunches, um, anything like that to kind of reminisce over the year and, and whatever before everyone kind of separates because we all know no teams are the same every year. Yeah, so we... we um... We had a really good event that night. Um, the guys got together and did some stuff the day after. We went to the local pub. We didn't have a mad Monday as such where we, we, we dressed up, but the guys caught up for a, a few days after that um, consecutively. And then, you know, uh, as it is every year, guys head to different areas of the world to play. Guys have family commitments. They want to get home to um, their family that they've been away for, for so many you know, months of the year. So it was good to have a good few days where we celebrated, um, reminisced a little bit, and then everyone went on our way. And um, yeah, now, you know, a lot of guys from the, that championship team are, are our enemies every week going in um, to play, which is, it's cool. And, you know, sometimes um, gets a little heated, but it's all love at the end of the day, um, knowing what we went through together. How cool is it to play against teammates? Obviously, you know, you know their moves. You've trained with them for a year or however many years. Like, I, I enjoy that playing against old teammates on other teams. Um, one, because it's fun. Obviously, you mates or whatever with them. But you know, you know their moves. You know how to guard them somewhat. And I always enjoy playing against old teammates on other teams. Yeah, it's awesome. You think you know their moves, so you think you've got a um, a leg up on them. And then you know, it, it's funny either way whether you. You know, you get one up on them or they get one up on you at the time. It's, you know, it's, it's fierce competition. But then you look back at after the game, oh, that bastard got me, he stole it from me or I crossed him over and hit a shot. So uh, it's cool going back and playing against guys that you've been through so much with. Tell me what it was like working out with Kyrie when he came to Melbourne. I think he came down on a tour or like a, a, someone brought him out and then he did some workouts, I think maybe at MSAC and you got to work out with him. How was that? And yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, so we started out, I just, had, he wanted a workout partner. I think some people had paid some money to go along and watch him work out, or I can't remember exactly what it was. So I just went and kind of did an individual workout with him and shot some shots. And it turned into after that, it was like, oh, Kyrie's going to be here for a few more days. It's going to work out. Why don't you come along to that? Which quickly turned into like one-on-one -on -one sessions where I had to guard him from the top of the key. And I don't know if you know, but I'm not the best defender going around <laughs> uh, to try and handle that. <laughs> um, you know, young Kyrie with his handles one-on-one -on -one from the top of the key was not fun. Um, I, I don't think I stopped him once. He, his, his handle and his finishing ability was just out of this world. And, um, but such a cool experience. You know, my first real taste of getting to go against someone at a, at a world-class level, which was cool. Um, obviously... 
Um, you've been lucky enough to represent Australia, not just the juniors, but obviously at the senior with the Boomers team, um, Worlds in Spain. And then how special was it to, to get that phone call or the meeting with the coaches to find out you made the team to, to play in Rio? Yeah, I, it's such a memorable moment. I 100% cried. Um, and, you know, the jubilation and the celebration in that room was amazing. But then, you know, we were faced with the, you know, the stark reality that some of our best mates at the time weren't going to make the team. Some were, and you know, obviously, um, you know, you, myself, uh, Joe, Patty, Newells at the time, I think we were all in the same hotel room and we would yeah. just go up one by one. So then having to deal with the jubilation of making it and then having to console one of your best mates who didn't, um, it was so challenging and such a weird range of emotions at the time, but it was cool that we all got to go through it together. Every guys had, you know, you did had experienced in Olympics and a world champs and so had Newell. So then while you guys were disappointed, you were excited for me that I was going to get to experience it. So it was, it was really cool, but um, yeah, it's, it's one of the greatest moments of my life being able to call myself an Olympian. And then how, how was the actual Olympics? Obviously you all know how it ended and, Complete heartbreak, but I mean, for 90% of that tournament, like obviously guys played awesome, like playing with Bogues and Patty and Joe and Deli and these guys that just make your job so easy and just so much fun to play with when you represent the, the green and gold. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just such a cool experience to have like the whole of our, the, the nation behind us as well. Once, you know, we won our first couple of games had a good showing against um, the U S even though we would have liked to have won it, like this kind of um, wave of support built up that we were feeling from back home. And um, yeah, so cool to be a part of that, whether it was playing or waving a towel, whatever, whatever it was, I was just so happy to be there and try and contribute any way I could. Um, yeah. As you said, it didn't, didn't end the way us as a team and the whole country wanted it to, but um, you know, I think it laid the groundwork for where we got to in the world cup and, and hopefully you know, where we'll be or where the boomers will be at the next Olympics. Let's go back to uh, the two games against USA and Melbourne. How good was that in that massive stadium? 50,000 plus people. Like, was it, was it weird being on that court? Like, was there atmosphere? Like, was it loud? Like, it was hard to tell sitting in the crowd what it actually felt like because you could hear every bounce of the ball, yeah. but then it'd be loud at certain points. Like, it was yeah. kind of strange from outside. So, what was it like on the court and... Yeah, it was, it was exactly like that. It was, you know, it was up and down. If there was a lull in the game, it was, it was almost like you could hear a pin drop um, because, I mean, so many of that crowd maybe hadn't been to an NBL game or they'd been to NBA or whatever they'd been to. So it was just a, such a different atmosphere that, you know, when we were up and rolling and making shots, it was, it was loud. It was amazing. Um, but then there was those lulls in the game. It's like, hey, come on, guys, we need a little something here that you know that you would normally get from an NBL crowd. Um, but I remember we did a shoot around the night before, standing um, in the middle of that court. Just the the sheer size of the arena it was something that I'd never experienced before, having only played in sort of ten to twenty thousand seat stadiums. So um, to add an extra thirty thousand on top of that, it was it was cool. Get, kind of get a feeling what it'd be like to run out. Um, an AFL game, you know, with a, a packed house screaming and yeah, it's super cool. You know, it got some bad reviews, um, but you know, the first time that we managed to beat um, the USA 
um, you know, in an international competition like that or an international game. So super cool to be a part of that. And, um, you know, the crowds were amazing. You could definitely hear every squeak of the shoe and every, like, bounce. Um, was it weird not having, like, any kind of support behind the hoop? Like, was it – could you see anything behind the hoop or was it just, like, a black kind of – I don't know, I feel like that would be weird. And then what was it like to, like, after the actual win and the buzz and the hype around that whole, you know, beat, yeah, beat so The setup was interesting. I mean, the, the lights were dimmed right around, but there was such a massive drop-off to the crowd that um, the depth perception took a little bit to get used to. But, I mean, once you're in the heat of the game and you're playing on instincts, it, it was all good. And, um, you know, afterwards, we, we sung the team song, um, you know, we realized kind of what we'd done. We'd beat, beat USA, USA um, which hadn't been done. And, you know, we kind of realized that, hey, if we, you know, keep working, because we got so much better from the first game to the second, if we can c continue on this path of getting better and, and, and improvement, then we, we got a real shot at this when we head over to China. So we didn't get too high. We didn't get too low, which is, um, you know, something that the boomers pride themselves on. Um, so we sung our song enjoyed celebrated with some family and really after that it was it was down to business how do we keep improving so we can be really good in china um obviously you want to make the the tokyo team like whenever that is next year 2021 um just same as usual hoping to get back out on court as soon as possible and then go through that whole process once the world gets back to back to normal have you have you talked obviously brett brown's coaching now has he been in contact um has there been anything with that or is it just kind of waiting now until it gets gets a little bit closer? Yeah, I obviously I touched base with Brett um, when he took the job. Um, and he's kind of just said, look, we'll, we'll follow all the players. We'll follow everyone. And, um, you know, once we get closer, there'll be camp invites and, you know, it goes from there. So I'll just approach it like I have pretty much every other tournament. You know, I, I try and get myself in shape for if you get the opportunity to let alone go to camp. Um, so I, I certainly don't go in expecting to be there or anything like that. So get myself in shape when that comes, where it's just about um, going and, and trying to find your way and, and figure out how you can put your best foot forward in, in a way of helping the team um, in, in, in our goal. And, and if at the end you get the tap on the shoulder that say you're in, well, it's amazing. Um, if they say, no, we don't need you this time, well, then, of course, I want, I want the boomers to succeed. Um, you know, far beyond what we've what we've done while I've been involved, um, and yeah. So prepare, see what happens. If I get the chance to go again, I'll be absolutely over the moon. If I don't, well, then I'll be right there supporting everyone, hoping we can win. Obviously, the NBL is in a bit of an interesting space right now. Not like all pro sports are not known with whether they're playing games. Footy's almost maybe back. Um, Tassie's meant to have a team come in next season. Mm. Um, is that something as a Tassie kid, I guess, um, something that you might look at and be like, man, you know, I'd love to play in Tassie, be a part of that team, maybe franchise player to help get them off the ground. Or, you know, has that ever been a thought or is that, you know, too far away? How, how, how important do you think Tassie is to the NBL and, and moving forward? Yeah, it's not really something I've thought of, to be honest. Um, but I have been a big advocate for trying to get a team um, into Tassie. I think 
Um, you know, that state down there, sporting mad. They've been craving some type of um, high-level sport. Obviously, they have their... Um, they've got the cricket down there, which has great support um, and they're super successful. So, um, so happy that the state um, can get a team and I want to see the support. Whenever they come into the competition, hopefully, you know, everything stays on track and, and it's the year after this one. Um, but if, if, you know, the COVID situation pushes us a bit, who knows? Um, but I just want to see it, you know, supported really well by the public and, and get the right people in there to make it a success because it's what the state deserves. Um, Melbourne, lots to do. You've been in Melbourne for... Yeah, yeah, six-ish, seven six, years. Eight. Six, seven years. Yeah. Um, you're obviously a fan, fan favourite amongst your teams or whatever on court, but there's so much to do in Melbourne. We, we lucky enough to have two mutual friends, Johnny G at Harvey Norman and, uh, and oh. Jason, at, Jason at Tampa, who uh, is obviously take care of us, but also sent us to ice hockey games. Um, yeah. Is that the first ice hockey game you've been to in Melbourne or in general? Yeah, um, and I was a little sceptical. You know, the, the great man, Johnny G and Jace, they've been saying, look, you need to come out. You need to get along to this ice hockey. Um, and I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm, I don't really like ice, ice hockey. I don't, I don't watch it if it's on TV. But everyone kept saying it's different in person. And, and we went along um, together and it was amazing. Just, you know, the athleticism and, you know, the sheer aggression. <laughs> and you're up so close to it, you, you, you know, you've got about this much glass stopping them from cleaning you up. It was, it was awesome. I'd, I'd really look forward to going back. And the speed. And then because I think they were playing against, I think that Cameron might have been the top team. And I don't yeah. think our Melbourne boys were like, the Melbourne Ice were tipped to win it. But just how close yeah, it was. And then it got close to the end and the shootout or whatever it was. And then just going crazy, like banging on the glass and stuff. That was because I've never been to a game either. But yeah, it was a it lot was of like fun to be around It was there. like we won the championship. Um, I think the, the other team were like the best in the league. They had the big budget. They had the ex-NHL um, players. And um, yeah, to come from behind and get that win or hang on and get the win um, in uh, penalty shootouts, it, it, was, it was so cool. I'd, I'd encourage people, like, when it starts back up, take the time. It, it, the games don't go for that long. It's indoors, much like much like our sport, get along and have a look at it because it's really cool. And then the last thing, you love golf. Um, yes. I've heard you, you're pretty handy. Uh, mm. not, not too bad. Pete, Pete tells me he doesn't like playing with you because it's not a lot of fun, but uh, he told me to ask you about the whole three. It was a par three in, uh, at Mandalay Bay or Mandalay Golf. Like yeah, almost, Mandalay. Yep, Mandalay, yep, yep, almost yep. hole in one. Yeah. Um, I, I like playing with Pete. He's, I've got a few years on him in the golf game, but, you know, he, he enjoys it. He gets around. He, um, you know, he's got the foundation there to be a handy little golfer. He just needs some more practice. And um, we're going out and playing Mandalay, which is a really cool little um, golf course um, and community north of Melbourne. It's about 40 minutes away. I've, I've been playing out there a little bit lately. Um, yeah, I was playing with Pete and I actually had probably the, like the best round I've ever played with him and, and Sam Short. So they think that I play like that all the time. It's just because they come out with me and I played really well for, for myself. And they think I play like that all the time. But I swear, if they saw me normally, it's, it's shank left. I'm losing <laughs> balls in the bushes, in the water. I'm, I'm just a donation machine to the lakes at golf clubs across Melbourne. But um, yeah, put a nice little 
I think it was like a nice little seven iron in there. Came close. Of course, I missed the putt for birdie, but we won't talk about that. Um, but yeah, it's something I like doing. Um, just getting outside in the sun and, and, and cruising around with some mates and playing golf. It's a great sport. You like doing that just to get away from basketball a little bit, something a bit different, nice and relaxing, walking up and down the greens? Yeah, it's, it's, it's better than staying cooped up in the house. So, um, you know, depending on how my body feels or, or what our schedule is like with training, um, I don't get out a hell of a lot during the season, but in the off-season, I try and play a lot more and um, just shift my mind from basketball and have a little bit of a competitive outlet on the course as well, which is also good. Well, mate, that's all I had for you. I appreciate you jumping on board and your busy ISO life schedule to, uh, to join us. Um, hope you guys stay safe and hopefully the world gets back to normal so you can get out there and uh, try. What, what are your top three restaurants in Melbourne? Uh, top three. Um, or three of your favourite. So Attica is probably the best restaurant in Australia. Uh, you put me on the spot here. Um, there's a new restaurant opened up in the Crown Plaza called Yugo. Um, they do like French cooking and Asian flavors, which is a really cool um, combination. We went there um, obviously before they had to, to shut down with COVID. And um, oh, there's, there's, so Easy's is one of the best burgers you'll have ever. And tie that in with Leonardo's Pizza, uh, Leonardo's Pizza Palace, which I've sent a couple of people to. Um, you'll get a life-changing pepperoni pizza. There you go. Wow. There we have it. I will make sure I put them on my list. Hold off on the burgers for right now because I'm in uh, pre-season, off-season mode. But uh, yeah, 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 <laughs> once yeah, we get yeah. moving again. But uh, yeah. Bubbles, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. Uh, hope you guys stay safe. And uh, like I said, hopefully we can get back out on court sooner rather than later. My man, I look forward to the day we can float the canals of the Gold Coast together again. <laughs> Peace. <sighs> Later, bro.